Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. Disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. In the beginning, when I was investigating for seven years, I was you know, doing soul searching of what really happened until I got to the walking answer. Uh, so it wasn't a near-death experience. Uh, it, it was a death experience. It's something happened after that. Um, what happened was that I was working as a correctional officer at the maximum security prison of Menard, Illinois. That was, um, let's just put it that way, a place that drains all your mental and emotional energies and exchange them with bad ones, whether you want it or not, whether you believe in it or not. You know, I came in there, this happy guy with this old life just coming in there for the money, uh, uh, for the challenge, for helping the community. But I was never the spiritual type. I was, I was the complete opposite. I was, in fact, a rebel. I was very materialistic. And every day I walked in there, I truly saw the underworld of, of, of our reality, of our generation. Like, you see things that the general public is not supposed to see. See, a lot of people, think about 3,500 of the worst criminals of the state of Illinois. And amongst them, there are some people who are also dealing with uh, mental issues and, 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 and everything is criminalized. And there's a lot of agony. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot even a sympathy in a way for those who really just ended up there uh, by making a mistake. So there's a mixed emotions that you soak in every time you go. And in your head, you're trying to convince yourself, oh, it's just a job. But it wasn't to me. It was draining me slowly to a point when I couldn't uh, sleep uh, after my shifts. And I was a night guy. I was uh, uh, working at nights, uh, sometimes 14 hours because we were very short on manpower. So we were doing uh, mandatory overtime. And I used to commute to work one hour each way in Midwestern town, small town, tons of cornfields, boring, just, you know, the same drive every day, 
back to work and from work. Um, one night, it was a night shift that um, I remember, and it was the night before the accident. And I remember that because in one of our breaks, see, we couldn't take any uh, uh, smoke breaks inside a prison or we couldn't bring our uh, cell phones inside the prison. So all of our breaks were outside. It was little uh, hill that we used to all gather there. And in one of the breaks, like 3 a.m., I saw this beautiful shooting star. I think it was a meteor. It was something falling from the sky. And I remember I was just like so shocked that for the first time in my life, I'm seeing something like that really coming down. And I was positive that everybody's going to talk about it in the news the morning after that, look, there's like a falling star and it's like a meteor or something, but it was very noticeable, at least to me and to two of my other friends. And, but instead, I was the one who made the newspaper and I'm going to get to my story. So that morning, I, it was, it was a Tuesday morning. So it was my, technically my day off. I was, I was uh, not a senior officer. I was only there for two years. So my days off were Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So I was excited. Nobody could keep me there past my shift. And I was uh, uh, heading home um, just like a normal morning. And um I remember I wasn't even, I didn't feel tired. I didn't feel anything. I was actually uplifted. I was excited to go home and start my two days off. And I remember driving the same road, that cornfield, uh, uh, surrounded road. And <clears throat> the speed limit was 70 miles per hour. So I was doing a speed limit. And all of a sudden, as I'm driving, I don't know if I dozed off for a minute. I don't know if I just closed my eyes. I don't, I, everything happened so fast, but I remember that I'm driving and then I open my eyes and all of a sudden I lose control of the vehicle. My wheel locked, my brakes locked, and I felt like there was no hydraulic fluid at all to, to, to even uh, work with. And here I am looking at the speed gauge and everything is happening so fast. And um, and instead of the speed going down, it's going up from 70 to 75, 80 miles per hour. So really high speed. And I'm like, what's going on? And I can't control the vehicle. And I'm like, and I'm aware and I'm awake. And I have these few seconds to tell myself that I'm probably not going to make it out of it. And before I even get to do anything, I see this car coming right in front of me and it was 7 a.m. Uh, Tuesday morning. And I could see that there was a mom and two kids. It's probably about to drop them off at school. Um, from that moment on, I remember that I told myself that no matter what happens, I'm not going to hurt and not a person because of either I fell asleep or my mistake or whatnot. So with everything I had, I turned the wheel to the right and for some reason it worked. And here I am heading into this concrete wall at 80 miles per hour. Now note that as close, as closer as I get to the wall, time starts slowing down. And I'm realizing like, like you know how they say that you can see your whole life passing through. So I didn't see my whole life, but time completely slowed down. Everything was slow motion. And the thing I remember the most is that I used to be a martial arts instructor uh, for 20 years alongside working as a correctional officer. So I'm a guy that if I see danger, I'm usually reacting with my hands, with instinct, try to dodge, to block, just to, you know, 
I got good instinct. And as I'm heading towards that utility pole or concrete, whatever it was, I'm just smiling. I am I'm not even worried. I have no fear. It's almost like I'm welcoming it. I'm almost like looking forward to it. And this is the first time that I realized there's two me's because I, I, I'm like, what's going on? Like, why are you not scared? Like, where's the part of you that would do that that would jump out of the car or would try to do something? And instead I'm sitting there and smiling, laughing, almost like telling myself, is this is how I'm going to go? Like in my uniform, on my way back from work, is this why I'm laughing? Is this why I'm smiling? But apparently this is not why I was smiling. The reason was discovered years after. And then I remember getting into that wall and I hear the, 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 the big bang, the blast, and it was the loudest explosion I've ever heard in my life. And I've been in the military, so I've heard some explosions in my life. And, and when I hit the wall, it was almost like, like a nuclear device was set off. And all I remember was the uh, airbag starting to deploy. And it looked like it was like a sheet flying in the wind. It was like so beautiful. I'm looking at this airbag just slowly, slow motion deploying. And this was it. It's all I remembered until my experience started. Seconds after I opened my eyes and I'm upside down and I look around me and I'm completely crushed. If you uh, had a chance to see pictures of the vehicle after the accidents, I'm not sure if you did I or did not. not, no. So when you see that, you tell yourself, how can a person possibly can come out of this alive? So, so wait a minute. Uh, so in, inside, the, you were inside the car still, or did you get thrown out? I was inside. Apparently, I was. I hit the wall, and then I rolled over five times in that high speed, and I ended up completely crushed. It's like a like a a, a soda can that someone stepped on, mm-hmm. and it seems like most of the damage was on the driver's side. It's almost like it was aimed at the driver's side. And the car itself formed, and everything's documented on the video, like four metal swords type things, like forks. They're crossing each other, meaning like if the driver was there at the time of the accident, which is me, he would have been completely... Impaled. Exactly. Where where were you then? Well, that, that's what I'm talking about. So I'm I'm upside down and I'm seeing myself and everything is crushed. And I'm like. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser. Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. And now back to the show. It was the best feeling. I have ever felt my entire life. But first of all, I remembered everything. The second I opened my eyes, I remember me coming back from work. I remember me 
dozing off. I remember me losing control over the vehicle. I was awake and alert the whole time. The only time I was not was when I hit the wall. But when I woke up, I remembered everything. So I knew I wasn't even dreaming or having a concussion. I knew that I wasn't seeing things. I remember that the most fascinating thing at the time was that there was no sound. What happened to the sound? And when I'm talking about silent, I'm talking about it's almost like something sucked out all the sound out of the world. And it's pleasant. You feel like it's, it's, it's peaceful, both physically and mentally. And then I'm looking at myself and I'm like, how come there's no pain? There's no pressure. I mean, I, I'm, I know what happened. I see where I'm at and I don't feel anything. And you'll, you'll know, you realize after that what I felt was real. Um, and then I was trying to smell and there was no smell. And I'm like, the only thing that's operating are my eyes. And I'm looking outside and everything is the same. The cornfield is a little gray. It's a little depressing outside. There's nobody out. I mean, there's nobody out at the time. And then I realized that something happened because completely relaxed. There's no sound. There's no pain. There's no smell. All of a sudden, I realized I have no thoughts. You know, in this consciousness, we always think. Even if we are the most relaxed, we can be in a remote island relaxing. We'll still be thinking about how much we're relaxing or something. And all of a sudden, it's like everything was empty. I, I just existed. I didn't have any thoughts. I was just there. It felt good. It felt myself. I felt warm. I felt like something was around me. Um, but I didn't see anything, of course, until I picked out of the window. Because at one point, I realized that I just want to get out of there. And I'm looking at the window. And all of a sudden, I see that lady. And she's in her like mid sixties or something. And what I noticed about her the most is she she was dressed up all in black. She had a headscarf, but her clothes were like from the eighteen hundreds, seventeen hundreds. It was not modern clothes. It was not two thousand fourteen, like when the accident happened. It was not none of that. And she's just walking there, pacing outside the car. It's like three feet outside my car, and I'm upside down looking. And she's just walking back and forth. And I remember that I couldn't speak because there's no sound. There's no. So I was just waving with my arms. I, waved, I was waving for help, hoping she'll call somebody, hoping she'll do something. And all she did was just pacing and waving. No, just with her head, not just like that. And I kept trying. It was the same thing. And then there was the second time that I felt that I was not myself. Because the old me would get really mad really quick, would be really judgmental, would be probably just cussing and asking and screaming and be like, what's going on? How can you not helping me? Panicking. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at myself and I'm like, you know, I'm not judging you, lady. Maybe you're just scared. Maybe, you know, some people are afraid to do more harm than good by, by approaching an accident. I was really not judging her. I was just thinking that she's just doesn't want to get involved and that's okay. And then I closed my eyes, I remember, because I wanted to get some, some extra strength to try to get out, even though everything was just dream state-like. 
And the second I closed my eyes, it wasn't even a split second. I opened them and everything comes back to life. It almost like a pause movie that you just replayed. Everything, the smells, the sound, the smoke. I felt the pressure of the car on me on my right leg. And people around me are just screaming and running. And I just remember that I'm like, what happened? It was so good. Like, why, why everything is just now activating and, and the car smells like gasoline. I was like reaching out and turned off and the car was still running. And I reached out. And I was like, I didn't want to die in a fire or anything like that. So I was like, I turned it off and people running. And I remember this paramedic just tackling the car, screaming through the window at me not to move. And I'm like, sir, I'm okay. I'm 100% okay. Um, just get me out of here. And I was like, no, we can't. Uh, we got to call the firefighters to bring the jaws of life. And for those of you who don't know, the jaws of life are those hydraulic uh, machinery that supposed to just rip the car open to extract pain passengers. And I'm like, I'm okay, sir. And he keeps screaming that I'm not okay and that I'm hallucinating, that I'm probably severely hurt because of how the car looked and, and they, they could tell. And then the, the uh, firefighters came and I'm closing my eyes, just missing that experience that I just experienced. I really wanted to go there and be there and, 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 and understand what happened. And I'm hearing them drilling and cutting and, and ripping the car open and extracting me. And all of a sudden they're giving me a shot of morphine to my stomach, like against my will. Even. Like nobody asked me a question, but just screaming at me not to move. And I realized that I have to play the game because I don't want him to restrain me or anything. I kept saying, I'm okay. And um, the next thing I remember is they're rushing me in the ambulance, of course, to the hospital. And I'm laying there and, and there was a, a sheriff lady writing a report. And I remember saying to her, I said, you know, ma'am, can I ask you a question, please? And she replied that I know, you know, you need to rest. You just had a bad accident. You, you can talk to me later when I take a statement. And I said, well, I, I insist to ask you a question if that's okay. And she said, go ahead. And I said, isn't it against the law for a citizen not to help and not a citizen in distress? And she was like, what are you talking about? And the lady that was walking outside the car and, and she was like, there was no lady there. We were the first in the scene. There was absolutely nobody there. And, and after they arrived, there's hundreds of people. But she said at the time, we were first in the scene. And I remember telling myself, like, huh. Like, this is getting weird. And I'm, this is miracle number one. I'm getting to the hospital. And they're rushing me through everything. I felt like a VIP guest. Like, they brought the MRI machines to me, the CT. So they take you to trauma. Trauma, unlike the ER, is like they do things really, really fast. There's no time to waste. And they check me from head to toe. And I'm laying there and this professor, the doctor comes to me and he said, listen, I've been here all these years. I've never seen anything like that. And I said, what do you mean, sir? And he said, you know, you don't even have a broken nail, not even a bruise. I'm going to have to let you go. But after like an hour and a half in the ER, after this accident, which if you'll see the pictures, you're not going to believe that Please send, me the, please, of the please send me the pictures. Please send me the pictures. Absolutely. And there's a news article. I mean, it made the news because 99% of the people don't make it. Um, and the 1% would be severely hurt and probably vegetables for the rest of their lives. And he sent me home 
I'm telling you, I felt like I just took a shower. And I was like, I couldn't, you know, it was years of trying to understand what happened that day. It was the new soul molding into this old body in a way of, and I'll explain what, of course, when you ask me about that, but it was a seven year process just to realize really what happened there. And it wasn't a near death experience. Now that I told the story of what happened to Mike on the way back from work and how this new soul entered the body, I will explain the process. See, in order to have a walk-in, you have to have a, a, a sudden trauma. You can't have somebody just taking their time or- Go to sleep one guy and wake exactly, up- Exactly, and then walking in. It has to be something that it's instant. So in order to do something instant, it has to be trauma. And it can be a car accident. It can be a sudden heart attack, something. And when that process happens, you have to understand it's so sudden that nobody will even know around it. Like the average people will be like, wow, he survived a miracle. You know, wow, like nothing happened to him. Because what happened to me was that I was in between dimensions. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. When you, all the people, when they they have near-death experiences and they all see sometimes the common sight of the bright light, right? They're seeing their own light. When you ascend out of your body, when you almost all the way there, completely ascending out of your body, you no longer see yourself in those physical eyes. You see light. And this is their own light. This is not the internal light. Because when they go to the eternal light, they become part of it forever. But in between, it's like an elevator. You have floor one, two, three, four, lounge, lobby. Right when you pass, there is this world, but in the spiritual version. And this is where I was. There is, yes, there is in between the world. When you when we pass when we pass away, we can we continue to remain in this world for a while, but the world is nothing but spiritual. You don't see it, you don't see it physically anymore. It's all spiritual. That's what people see their own body when they pass away. They're like they, they float and they see their own body, and people. So what do they really see? They see a reality that is not no longer part of them. Because then people, them doctors cannot see that soul. So you, you, you stay in this world, but this world gets a whole new meaning. And what I was, was that lady. Who was this lady? I still don't know. But I know that I was in a dimension when it's almost like an in-between. If you think about an elevator that goes to, from floor one to floor two and gets stuck in between. At the time, because now I know that it's completely different. But at the time when I was battling who I was versus who I'm becoming or who's entered, um, there was the classic battle between mind and soul, between consciousness to subconsciousness, between the physical and the spiritual, between my old purpose in life that I did not fulfill versus the new purpose in life that I've been fulfilling. And usually... When this happens, a person gets into a deep depression. 
or, or a very bad mental state. There's no going around that. A lot of the time when um, people talk about spiritual battles and all that stuff, this is a real thing. And I was, um, I was very depressed. I was very confused. I had a lot of visions that uh, modern medicine described as hallucinations. Uh, now I know that you know you can look at it that way. It's fine. You know, if, if science wants to call it this, it's fine. I call it what it is. And that's you know seeing spiritual beings. All of a sudden, I'm realizing like, why is all these abilities? And a lot of psychic abilities and things that I never asked for myself, never studied, never requested, never believed in before. It's almost like I inherited it. Like all that stuff is coming to me. And I, I thought that I was going crazy. I thought that something's wrong with me. I thought that I'm getting just, you know, I'm, it, it was a battle. And to a point that, you know, I was married at the time and it affected um, affected me badly to a point when I decided that I, I can't deal with these dreams and visions and and all these like supernatural things that happened to me because it was scary. You know, when you taste the spiritual and consume it and become part of it and bring it into this world again, you take the good of it and you take the, the 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 less good of it for everything there is that equivalent there's a spiritual balance in this world for everything physical there's a spiritual equivalent so me i was consuming this spirituality so i was seeing at the beginning the very very scary part of it and i was getting into a deep depression and that ended up not wanting to live and just because i said that i ended up in a hospital and I didn't know why, because I didn't belong there, but I was there for 48 hours in the psychiatric hospital. But get that, after 48 hours, I heal, help healing half of the people that were there with me by just being with them. And I, all of a sudden I'm going there talking to everybody and 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 I don't belong there. I was just telling my ex-wife like, hey, I don't, I'm depressed. You know, I'm a veteran too, so I had PTSD, whatever you want to call it. So that's what was my diagnosis. I said, hey, I'm, 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 I'm pretty depressed. I don't want to live anymore. And I ended up there. And I didn't realize why I, why I ended up there. But I helped people. Like, people wrote me letters. One of them started speaking after years of not speaking to his family or staff. He told me, thank you. Because I was talking to him. And all of a sudden, I'm doing stuff. I'm, I'm, I, I find myself in these areas in life and positions in life and places in life that I would never ended up in otherwise and I'm helping people. And everything I do is just like, I do, it just works around me helping people and helping souls and getting the feedback from them. And I'm like, you know, all these things they don't happen against me. They happen for me. And that there's, there's a reason here. And then all of a sudden I started changing. I started uh, seeing people who passed away and telling uh, random people, hey, you know, doing like psychic stuff, like, hey, your, your husband who used to play music and used to dance with you and misses dancing with you, just randomly people that I would meet in the, in sure the, that, the club. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure that, I'm sure that work, work went over very well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, people start crying and I'm like, what am I doing? And I, and I never, I, I never, I'm the type of person who would make fun of these people. 
sure. prior to what happened to me. I was completely the opposite. So I started getting disabilities. And since then, uh, especially in the past six months, I've helped over, wow, over 130 people almost every day from every corner of the world, especially. And when I say help, nothing supernatural, nothing like reading the future, nothing, nothing like that. It's mostly speaking to people who need direction in life. And I'm speaking to them as an old soul. People who are dealing with losses, people who mourn. For example, I had parents who, you know, bury their children. And this is one of the mm. worst pains a human being can face. It is the worst pain a human being can face in this consciousness. So when I'm speaking to them and giving them hope, it's like, listen, I've been in that side. There is no death. You know, don't worry about it. Your son, your daughter, your husband, your mother, your father, they're okay. And, and they hear my story and they get the message. And then all of a sudden from this very sad crying face you find people who end up with a smile with this is you see the light in their soul and this is what i do i don't no longer see people i see their souls i've been able to partner with mind valley to present you guys free master classes between 60 and 90 minutes covering mind body soul relationships and conscious entrepreneurship taught by spiritual masters, yogis, spiritual thought leaders, and best-selling authors. Just head over to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free.